0: To another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours.
1: Joel 2 verse 1 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. That's my duty right now. It may be yours too, but it's definitely mine. And sound an alarm in the what? In the holy mountain. Now, if you live in Israel, then the holy city is Jerusalem and you'll know about Mount Zion, etc. But being you live here, Mount Zion and the holy mountain to you and me is the house of God where we, where we attend. Right. And so imagine God saying through the prophet voicing about the last days. That would be Joel, book of Joel. And he says, I want you to blow a trumpet in the holy mountain. So I take that as, well, number one, it's one of my assignments. But I take that to say even the holy people, the church, the blood wash need to keep hearing and learning the time we live in, what we're dealing with, and what we're going to do about it. Amen. Everybody say, I'm not of the lost. No, 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 no. no. We're well-equipped uh, believers. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's go over there. Praise God. I got a list for you, but I want to read my verses first. I usually just read them whenever I feel like it. But I was listening to myself preach the other day. That'll scare you. I used to teach uh, the art of homiletics, preaching, in Bible college, when I taught out at uh, Berean Bible College, and I wrote the curriculum for it. And there's a certain way, you know, to put a sermon together, and it's actually considered an art or a form of a science, and deliver it in a way where people go and get it from your heart and your head and your mouth into their lives. And so I was just listening to myself preach the other day, and I, Mark said to Mark, if this was a class of homiletics, you just flunk, boy. <laughs> and so I'm working at doing better at that. So 2 Thessalonians 2, I gave you long enough to get there. Are you there? Yes. Verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Verse 2. This is a powerful verse. That you be not soon shaken in mind. But you know about, you know what's going to determine that? What you're listening to? And what you're reading? Yep. I can go way back. One of... Uh, my best friends turned out to be Charles Caps, one of Apostle Terry's best friends as well. And and he befriended a lot of preachers. But Charles Caps, I used to... I first heard him teach back in the 70s. And uh, he had this famous saying that a lot of us picked up. And I don't know if, he, if he's the originator, but I heard it from him. And he'd say, Feed your faith and starve your doubts. Right? Yeah. 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 And so, you know... Uh, one of my dads was Roy Hicks, Sr. He was the boss for a while at the entire four-square Pentecostal denomination. Originally, that's where I went to Bible college in Los Angeles and uh, to be a Pentecostal preacher. And Dr. Hicks, oh, wow, this is probably like 1975 or 6 or something. Brother Hicks said to me in the hallway at Life Bible College, Los Angeles, he said, I'm going to tell you a little poem, and I want you to live by it. Okay not much on poems but that's what I thought I wouldn't say that to the master teacher not if you want to stay in Bible college and so I said it to myself okay well I'm not much on poems and then he, he taught me this little poem you probably heard it before or maybe heard it from me before because I say it a lot it goes like this there are two natures within my chest one is uh, cursed and the others blessed the one I love the other I hate but the one I feed will dominate and that's what we're talking about you're, you're, you're not going to stay strong in focus and mind and your faith if you're feeding your doubt on beliefs, that old nature that, that, that old flesh amen and so uh, someone said uh, hey did you hear what they said on the news and I said oh there's still news somewhere I didn't know that. Now there's a lot of yakking in talk shows. There's a lot of uh, people on yakking talk shows called news that are playing prophet. The Bible warns us about the prophets of the land. We can go there. It's not my assignment tonight, but I'm not listening to the prophets of the land. You notice uh, on most of the news type things, they're asking their guests, what do you see coming? Well, that's a prophet's job. Not a banker's job. Well, where do you think uh, this whole pharmacy, where do you think it's going to end up? And, and, and then the guy or the gal says, and I think, well, I don't care what you got to say about it. Where's the prophet of God? Amen. God doesn't speak to that guy. He speaks to the prophet of God. No offense. So the more you start listening to what's going on, the more I see they're playing prophet, man. They're trying to declare and, and, and foretell. Now what if that's the only voice you have about the future? Hey, wait, wait, wait. They have credentials. They do, every one of them. And they always start out, well, this man, he worked for Richard Nixon back in, you know, and this guy and this gal, they all got credentials. So why they need to... Make sure we know that before they ask them to answer the question. is a curiosity all by itself. I didn't come just to criticize the press. I do criticize the press. But it's not my reason for being here. I remember one time, I don't know why I remember this. I remember one time the local channel in my town in Michigan called. They wanted to interview me. Well, I had never been interviewed before. It's like 1980. I'm just... So I called my dad and one of my dads was Lester Sumrall. I figured, well he's on TV, he'll know what to do. So I called him, I said, Brother Sumrall, the such and such station, wants to interview me. He goes, yeah, uh, are they going to send you a list of questions? I said, yeah. He goes, throw it away. I said, throw it away? He goes, they won't ask you one of them. And when you get there, ask him for a piece of paper and a pen. I, I okay. So I got there and I asked for a piece of paper and a pen from the host at the TV station. And uh, they said, what do you want that for? I said, one of my dads, Lester Sumrall, said, if I don't write down my name, you're not intelligent enough to write it properly. (laughs) Quote, unquote, because I didn't want to get blamed for that. Yeah, so if that's what we're feeding on, boys and girls, then you are going to be soon shaken in mind. You will for multiple reasons. One of them is they can't make up their mind. This is going to happen this day, and then, no, we changed our mind. It's going to happen that way. You you and I, we live in some of the most unstable times. This is the most unstable time in my 71 years of life right now, the days we live in. We don't need to be listening and reading after things that make us even more unstable. Thanks for coming tonight, Doc. Uh, We're glad that you're here. looking for some money yeah, give myself a, an offering I don't think you're going to so I'll go ahead and give myself good preaching brother Barclay praise God are you out there yeah. just checking verse 2 we got all that out of four words I brought I hope you men brought your shaving kit with you that we be not soon shaken in mind or troubled Neither by spirit, word, letter from us, as in the day of Christ at hand, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. I look up here. The first time, when I first started studying this, many moons ago, I had the connotation in my mind that someone slipped and fell. Or they were walking along in the dark and fell off the cliffs. But one of my minors was biblical languages. And so when I looked into the Koine Greek, not modern, but the Bible Greek, when I looked into there, I realized this is not a trip and a fall. This is a purpose departure. A purposed departure. And uh, it matches the verse that says, And many will turn their ears away from the truth. And, of course, the byproduct is therefore be turned on to fables. Amen. You know what I say to Mark? You might not care, but I'm going to tell you. Mark says to Mark, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, John Osteen, Charles Capps, Norval Hayes, Terry Mize, Fred Price, and I can keep going with all the foursquare, Dr. Roy Hicks, Lester Summerall, and the list goes on of all of these, and women preachers. And all of these moms and dads in the faith invested in me, the truth, And now, because it's not popular, I'm going to follow something else wagging his tail. You can, if you want to, I'm not going there. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. I'm still reading, are you still with me? Verse 4, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Huh. I'm not going to follow that thing. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what holding that we might be revealed in this time. Seven, for the mystery of iniquity doth work already are already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way you okay this is a lot of verses for typical churches and then shall that that was a left jab just you know i see some of you are experts so just then i just gave you a jab and some of you went you almost got me doc try again And then shall, verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This is how dumb the devil and the Antichrist is. This is as dumb as save the planet. Oh, you greenies. When God said he's going to destroy it. Good luck. Nine. I'm always good at generating ugly letters from people for some reason. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. You better pay attention to that verse please. This is the devil and demonic people doing signs and lying wonders. To try to prove that what they're saying is true i got to tell this story. I don't know why it even comes to me. I had not thought about it in years. There was a lady. I don't think I'll say her name. She went around a lot of spirit-filled churches. Uh, I don't know if she's still going around or not. And even got into Word of Faith. And certain times of the year, there'd be oil, she'd say, in her hands. And then they'd, uh, they'd yell out. She'd yell out or someone, the oil's flowing and, and, uh, and whatever. And so it turned into quite a deal. And so, one time I was with Dr. Sumrall and T.L. Osborne, do you know the T.L. Osborne name? T.L. Osborne, Dr. Osborne, Dr. Sumrall, me and a couple of others, I don't know. And uh, we were together, and someone said, uh, Dr. Sumrall, do you know about this lady that's got oil flowing in her out of her hands? He goes, yeah, I heard about that. I've run into those witches before. <laughs> And Teal Osborne said to me, he said, I'm going to pick a date and I want you to come down and see me down in uh, deep Central America on a certain holiday, whatever, whatever it was called. And I want to show you that statues are going to sweat oil and we're going to take it to the lab and it's going to be the same oil that is coming out of her hands They're sweating on those statues. Lying. Signs and wonders. Hey, if you want to run to a statue and get some oil, help yourself. Rub your forehead on it for all I care. But I'm telling you, it's not the move of God to anoint a cement statue. Okay, I'm going to keep preaching. I come to preach, so. Amen. Maybe you'll thaw out in a little bit. I'm not sure. Ten. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, that means unrighteous deception in Greek, and with all unrighteous deception in them that perish, because, I'm going to read slow on purpose, they receive not the love of the truth that they may be saved. 11. And for this cause, God capital G, shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. The lying demon, look up here, the lying demon will not just teach a person to lie or how to lie or get good at lying. The biggest element of that demonic force is to get you to believe a lie. To believe the lie. I could choose a thousand illustrations. I got a good one though. How about Hitler? Hitler didn't run on, let's kill all the Jewish people. Hitler didn't run on. No, he had a whole new idea. In fact, if you go study as he was, I guess, elected, uh, as you go study, you'll find out that uh, uh, he, he was telling total lies about what his motives were. I'm sure it got worse as the demons possessed him. But he put out a whole political platform that his country fell for because they believed the lie. So we didn't just see demonic force teaching that man to tell a lie and to present himself that way. We read in history that people actually believed what he was saying at least until it was too late. I'm not a too-late person. How about you? I'm going to pay attention now. One more verse here. That they all might be, out loud, they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I do not assign this to every Christian that does bad, lives dirty, blows it, commits sin, but I think we ought to at least hear the heart of God that when you get to a place, anybody, any human, where you start denying the truth, you start chasing fables, you no longer love what truth does in your heart, you don't love the truth bearer, the, the, the man or woman heralding the truth from God's holy desk, the pulpit. Uh, I think you want to make sure you know what God has to say about those who take pleasure In unrighteousness. You know, I lived as a sinner, kid, a young man. I grew up without Christ, no Bible, no church. I met Jesus Christ, the person of, as a young marine leader in a war, in a combat zone. I've never turned back, 1972 and a half, I'll never turn back. There's multiple reasons I'll never turn back. I'm not talking big like Peter before he was an apostle and I'll go to the cross with you. I'm just telling you, I know what it was like to live listening to demonic voices, living in darkness, ruining your life, breaking everything you loved, uh, on and on and on. And since I met Christ, I take no pleasure. I don't think you do. I take no pleasure in unrighteousness. Not mine, not yours, not even a massive amount of people with unrighteousness. I'm going to follow my God. I think you are too, aren't you? I'm going to follow my God down the path of righteousness and live the way that He wants me to live. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you do another verse? Do Ezekiel 3 with me. Ezekiel 3. Man, we're like a tour of the Bible right now. We keep going. We'll have to give you a certificate of completion or something. Book of Ezekiel. I'll give you a minute. Some people go there a lot. Some people don't know he exists. You should find out where the book of Ezekiel, because one day you're going to go to heaven. And you know who's going to be there? Zeke. And he's going to say, did you read my book, Christian? And you're going to say, I didn't know you had a book. And it might not be good in heaven. I don't know. So you might want to just get in. Uh, Here in Ezekiel 3, amen. Amen. Uh, verse 21. You might want to make a mark somewhere, either digitally in in your device or in your Bible. Now I want to read this to you, or at least a part of it. Nevertheless, verse 21, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, that's the warning. The righteous don't sin. Don't sin, righteous. You know, on purpose. And he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. What? If I stand up here tonight and tell you that righteous people do not sin on purpose. We do not try to be carnal. We're trying to be spiritual. We're trying to be close to God, not the world. We're denying the world. We're drawing close to God. I not only helped you and warned you, don't sin, but I just helped my own soul. That's what it just said. Every time we're in Pastor Baker's church, every time Pastor Baker stands up, don't sin, get out of this, Help me get. I'll help you get free. Hey, He's not only helping you, according to this verse, He's saving and delivering His own soul. It's His duty to let us know about these things. Now, I don't have time tonight, but if you, well, maybe I do. Verse 20. Again, verse 20, you with me? Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Jesus said it a different way. The wages of sin is death. And he did not put the word eternity in there. The byproduct of willfully sinning, sin against your husband or wife and see how that goes. You're going to, you're, you might, you're going to hurt your marriage, but you might destroy it sin against your boss you're probably going to get fired if you sin against your boss deep enough when you go to sign up for the new guy and you put in your beautiful resume he might have a question if you're so good why doesn't the old boss want you and then he looks into it and the sin that you committed there is now chasing you into your if you break the law uh, in America in certain ways felonous Uh, it, it may never leave your record. It may stick with you everywhere you go the rest of your life. The wages of sin is death, not just when you get to heaven on judgment day. Because I'm going to keep reading. Because thou hast not given him warning, now it's back on me. See, I'm not warning. I'm not warning people. That's on me now. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done not unrighteous, righteousness. That his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered. Yikes. Yeah, yeah but You know, Brother Barclay, uh, you're reading the Old Testament and that's the law. No, let me help you, uneducated one. The law is found in Exodus and part of Deuteronomy. This is called the prophets. You see, there's the Pentateuch. That includes the law of Moses. Then there's the historical books. Chronicles, for example, the records. Still with me? You can go into the poetical books, a collection of of Song of Solomon, Psalms. Then you can go, I'm talking about your Bible. Then you can go into the major prophets. Then you can go into the minor prophets. And then, of course, into the Gospels and the New Testament. This is Ezekiel. This is not Moses. This is not the law. This is telling you and me how God thinks about this kind of living as a warning. I always wonder about this guy. Oh, I don't know. Back in the 1980s, he had a station wagon. Had his family in it. It It's going down the road, highway. There was a sign and it said, the bridge is out. And he just went, So his wife said, honey, did you see the sign? The bridge is out. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Don't worry about it. And he keeps driving. Pretty soon there's another sign. Now it's got blinking lights. The bridge is out. Take the next exit. So now he's got his kids in the back seat. Hey, Daddy, did you see the blinking sign? That the bridge is out. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm driving. Don't worry about it. And he goes through like four or five different warnings The road is closed. There is no... Kapoosh. Into the drink. Why didn't he just do what the sign said? I wonder. Don't you? What what was so hard about that? It reminds me of this guy. He went to our church. And... uh, he called me one day, midday, and he said, uh, uh, he goes, Pastor, are you in, in Midland, our home? Yeah. Can I come see you? I said, yeah, I'm out here at the ministry. i got to come right now. It's urgent. So he came out. He's sweating, you know. He's heavy breathing. It's like, what happened to you? Are you okay? And he said, yeah, i got to tell you my story. I said, well, go ahead. Tell me your story. He said, well, I was driving down the highway from Midland to the, na- you know, the towns, Bay City. And so we're driving, in, and the Holy Spirit said, turn off. The road right now. And just pray a minute. Get off the highway and pray a minute. And he said I didn't do it. I kept going a couple of minutes later. I got another little nudge. that From the Holy Spirit. That just said I want you to turn off the highway. Right now. And just, just take two or three minutes and pray. And he literally said to God. Lord, i got to get this appointment. This is a major sales, and uh, my company's real. I can't be late. I promise you, the minute I'm done with that, I'll go to the sanctuary, and I'll pray all day long. But right now, i got to go. And he said, not not a couple miles down the road, an urgency came in his vehicle, a presence. And he said, I think I'm the one that turned the wheel. But it was like somebody was turning that wheel and my car slid off into the gravel side. And in a matter of about two seconds, a massive semi-truck, jackknifed, came so close to my car, smacked the mirror off from the side of it. But by the time it stopped, somebody died that day, just not him. And he said, I sat there and the Holy Spirit said, you better obey me next time, the first time, because there won't always be a second time like there was today. Why do you think Satan wants us so cluttered? Busy. Looking, watching, other stuff to developing a relationship. So, this is what this man said. He said, Pastor... What do I say? Am I ignorant? Am I stupid? Rebellious? Just a ding-a-ling? What was so hard? What was so hard about that assignment? Pull off the side of the road and pray two minutes? What's so hard about that? And I didn't do it. Then I get a second hit. Do it now. I didn't do it. What, what, what is wrong with me? Why didn't I just say, okay, you're God? It reminds me of uh, what we now nickname 9-11. That hit New York City. And so the fi- we had just flown in. Was it the night? Were you flying for me then? Were you old enough to fly for me then? <laughs> Man, we're going way back now. He's the captain of our aviation department. Anyways, so we had just flown in, and I got home and uh, flicked the news on and watched the first plane uh, fly into that uh, uh, trade building. Uh, and so, I'm sitting there for a minute, and then, da, 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 da. and then later that evening, a pastor friend of mine called, and he has a church on, I can't remember the story, ninth story, 10th story, 20th story, the whole floor is his, and he said, when that plane, when that plane hit, that's the floor it went through, I said, wow, he goes, yeah, we lost. our church is scattered all over the city, for each pay I said, wow. He said, but that's not why I called you. I said, really? He said, Doc, on the way down, the Lord said to me on the freeway, pull off, go into the gas station, get a cup of coffee and a donut, and eat it there. And I thought, man, I wish I'd get a word like that.
0: <laughs>
1: huh? Have you ever got a word stop and eat a donut? If I just think donut, the, 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 you know, the Lord deals with me. You don't need that. Leave that alone. Naughty. Naughty donut eater. Naughty. He got in the commands from God, pull over, eat a donut. You kidding me, man? I told him, I'm jealous. I also said, what kind of donut did you eat? Yeah, man. He said, you know, at first I didn't do it. I thought, that's so dumb. God said, I'm already late for work. You know, I got to get down there. And he said, You know, I don't, why would God tell me to pull over and get a donut and eat it in the, in the whatever it is, gas station uh, thing? And so he said, But you know, after a couple of times I pulled off, went in, got a coffee, got a donut. I'm standing there just trying to obey God, you know, now, and I'm eating my donut. And I'm still thinking, you lucky duck. And he's eating his donut. And he said, I looked up, and there was the news flash of the plane, that jet flying right in to the building, and I found out it was my floor. And if I wouldn't have postponed that 10 minutes, I would have been in that building or awful close to it. And God knew that. I was talking to Brother Copeland about this back, back then. And he said, you know, I said, you know, uh, Brother, Kenneth, uh, Brother Copeland, I think God was trying to tell a lot of people and warn them about that. And he said, I believe our God was yelling at the top of his lungs to everybody, whether they were Christians or not. And it's just proof that hardly nobody ever pays attention to him. Made me want to say, think I'm going to work on that here in the voice of God thing. How about you? I brought with me my list. If you don't mind giving me a couple more minutes, I'll give it to you. Amen. Here's my list of the top threats of today. Why do we need that, Doc? Because you have to war and you got to battle. You're the soldiers of the cross. Wait, 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 wait. You do realize, right, that you could be the last army God ever uses to climax these ages there may not be one after us I don't know we don't have a date but I tell you the way the way the proof is looking all around us we're surrounded with it in every country wars we're I mean everything that's been prophesied that needs to happen before the Lord comes for the church it's done we there's a couple things that's got to happen before the end end of the age and the end of Armageddon but according to what I study and what I've been taught between now and the blowing of the trumpet nothing needs to happen think about where we're at in time because that's who you are we got to know the threats, so we got to know what to do about it here's my list of the top threats that we face today as Christian people number one Sexual perversion. The demons and the flesh that causes sexual perversion. I don't want to go into each one of these and, and explain them. I think you get it. We're making laws even to protect the sexual perversion and the anti... that the Bible says to do this, man says, well, we're going to make sure we make a law that says we don't have to do that as if their man-made law negates... The Holy Scriptures. Someone said, you you, You can be that and do that, Brother Barclay, because the Supreme Court made it legal. I don't think God cares too much about what man thinks is legal. I've been walking with God a lot of years. I haven't ever... I don't ever remember God saying to me, maybe He did you, but I don't ever remember God saying to me, now, you do what that Supreme Court says, they're above me, they're supreme. Whatever they just, dis- whatever that governor says, you do what that governor says. Now, I'm not mocking the Supreme Court or the- those who are in authority, get my message right, <clears throat> but I just don't think God's impressed with man's decision of how this should work. Number two, take notes, I only have 32. <laughs> Oh, no, not, not quite that many. Number two threat. False doctrine and heresy. Why, why would you put that doc so far up the ladder of importancy? Because your doctrine is what you believe. Do you know why you don't go sat in the highway in the dark? Because you believe what you've been taught. You could die. You know why you don't go up here and just jump off the roof? yee Always wanted to fly. Ka-thump. There's a reason you don't do that. Because you were taught, sooner or later, do not do this. Sorry for the simple illustrations, but it usually is that simple. Your doctrines, that's what you and I believe, and therefore that's how we make our decisions, and that determines in your heart what you will and won't do, and will and won't put up with. So all you got to do is get that falsified, get it tainted, get it dirtied, get it twisted, and then you you'll change your mind. People change preachers are changing their mind. In fact, I think we were talking about this Terry when you were up with me last but um, I used to you know I've been traveling forever. Seriously, I've I've lapped the globe so many times in countries and preaching and I used to hear preachers I said all that because no matter their language, their culture, their country uh, I used to hear Christian preachers tell me what they believed you know what I hear a lot now you don't still believe that do you Doc what you still believe that well that movement came and closed really now that all by itself I don't know what it says to you it says to me that somebody got to those people even preachers who were preaching the Bible and the truth trained right raised right and had good right ministries and good right messages and now they're saying oh we don't believe that anymore you ever look at the list of what we don't believe anymore okay see in Michigan when we do this it it means yes yes When we do this, it means no. When you do this, bobblehead, we want to get you some mental health somewhere or something. I don't know. Number three, threat. It's called Marxism. The idea and the philosophy of Marxism, Karl Marx, is now even flooding our pulpits. If you know what it is, if you've ever read after it, uh, I don't recommend it as your number one reading, but I'd recommend you preachers know what it is. And I recommend you preachers and teachers and pastors, I highly recommend you expose it and you let your, you teach your people how to stay out of it because believe it or not, it really is seeping like a sewage in and out of our churches. And, and according to that demon, that's what it's supposed to do until it makes the church of that Marxism philosophy Which, by the way, every point of Marxism and Socialism and Communism is in direct contradiction to your Bible. Not one point, not one point lines up with your scriptures. Number four threat, AI, artificial intelligence, and collaborative intelligence is a major, 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 major threat. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't know that. A lot of AI is kind of cool. I bought a new pickup truck a while back, and when I did, the salesman said, hey doc, you know this will park it so. I said, wow, uh, there's another way to do that, driver's ed. I don't need a robotic being inside the, the inner workings of my truck I know how to park. Well, it'll drive for you. I know how to drive. See? AI. (laughs) I'm just picking on that a little bit. We've been dealing with artificial intelligence for a long time. So why is it so dangerous? Oh, maybe one of their gurus is already working at getting permission... To put a human brain in a robot or a robotic bank memory inside of a human brain in a human body. That's where this is going. Or how about the new AI they've hired wait a minute, wait a minute, to correct your Bible. Wait, wait, wait. Not periods and commas and misspelled words. The meaning of it. Really. Think I'm going to stick with the same Bible that Peter, James, and John used that opened blind eyes and raised the dead and got a guy like me saved. I'm going on now. Some of you look sad that I picked on your robot. (laughs) Number five threats called euthanasia. Eliminating or allowing them you to be eliminated because you no longer are worth anything to society. If you think this is a long ways away, you should go study some of the Canadian laws that they're now working on passing that if your carbon footprint uh, is... I'm going to paraphrase. Your carbon footprint or what you're worth as a human is no longer an addition to society. Um, You could be put to sleep. Or if you're just sad and you don't want to live anymore, they'll just put you to sleep. Uh, Okay, do we really think that's going to stay that comfortable once they get that law passed? No, we're going back to the, I think, uh, uh, the same demonic force that told Hitler to kill these particular people and create this perfect society. Sure glad you came tonight, Doc. Number six threat is chemical and biological warfare. You think COVID's the end of it? Not a chance. It's a threat that we got to do something about and at least beware of. Right? Okay, here's a good illustration. I live in Chemical City, Midland, Michigan, home to Dow Chemical, Dow Corning, etc. In that plant, without giving away intelligence, there are different elements that if that plant ever blew and the wind was blowing in the right direction, it would blow down in through Detroit, Toronto, Cleveland... Maybe as far as the loop of Chicago, but going this way, all the way out to the coast, and potentially literally kill millions of people. And yet, I can ask Midlanders all the time do you have a bug out pack? Do you have an emergency backpack with gear in it? Do you have an emergency case to throw in your car in case you've got to get out of Dodge? Because if the sirens blow, I don't think you ought to turn on the TV and see what's going on. And you know, more and more and more people say, Oh man, that's not ever going to happen. Oh really? That's cool. You're not getting my backpack. Don't come by my house. Number seven. I can tell you're just really overwhelmed with my message tonight. Number seven threat. The loss of justice. Is an absolute threat to you and to Christianity. I have uh, I pastor or at least minister to a lot of law enforcement, prosecutors, judges, and uh, I was talking to one of the judges, and he said this statement to me. This just the other day, he said, uh, "Hey Doc, you're you you do not think that the justice and the courts are just, do you?" Because they're not justice halls anymore. They're legal. They're halls of legal. They're not halls of justice like they were meant to be. And I thought, man, I thought they were the same thing. But the more I think about it and study it, man, that's a scary thought. That all they're going to do is do what's legal, whether it's just or not. Threat number eight. Erase culture so that we one day can erase the culture of Christianity. So you live in an, an erased culture, they'll erase you. Yeah, it's a culture we're now in. Yeah, I don't know if people think that's cool, or people you know, on social media think it's cool, or young people think, I don't know. I, I, I know this, that anything that happens whether it's driven by human or demons, if it's against the way of God, it never stays on a flat platform. It'll just keep gobbling and gobbling and gobbling. And so, if we're we're living in uh, cultural erasure, and just, if we don't like you, we erase you, we get rid of you, uh, we cut you off, we don't want you, you're not fit for society... Uh, where is that going to end up? You think it's just going to end up there? No, because the biggest threat Satan has is the church. Yeah. Where the, in fact, right now it looks like the church and only the true church is the only resistance in the face of full-blown nasty down and dirty filth, liberalism and satanic operations. No wonder they want us erased. <coughs> Can you handle one more? How about two more? If you give me one, I'm taking two. (laughs) Y'all just but that person. He's staying. Here's a major threat, whether you're aware of it or not. The movement for sovereign citizenship. Sovereign citizenship. Meaning you don't belong to any particular country any particular code, any particular citizenship rules. You won't have a passport that belongs to any one country. You become part of the new global reset. I know, I know, I know. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I do, more, I do too much homework for conspiracy theories. This is happening. This is a movement going on around the world to get you to pull away from where you were born where you belong, and become a global citizen, which you and I know one day will be a global army, a global banking system, and an antichrist in charge of it. And probably, like Daryl and I were talking about AI today, you know, it could be the image of the beast is robotic. It literally could be AI. I know, again, it sounds like conspiracy theory. But uh, my deal is... These things just don't go a little ways and stop. They're gobblers. They just keep gobbling until Satan hits his target. Number 10, this will be my last one for tonight. Number 10, we're going to have to realize that one of the greatest threats is wicked and unreasonable men. Wicked men are of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Unreasonable men are backsliders. Christ rejectors and former church members. You cannot reason with them. Paul said in the New Testament, of course, would you pray for us? Paul said that. Church, would you pray for us that we would be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men for not all men have faith or faith in Christ, which means Christianity. More and more, that's going to become a major threat against our lives, our beliefs. Now, just so you don't go home thinking that this is a negative message and all we talked about is this and that and the other, when I read my Bible and the men and women that grew me up in the gospel, I was taught victory. I wasn't taught defeat. But in the victory, I wasn't taught ignore. I wasn't taught walk blind, dumb, deaf. I was taught to be alert. Pay attention! What's going on? Doctor Sumrall told all of us younger preachers around him. Never, he, I mean, he just stare in your eyes and he'd say, "Don't you ever forget where the devil's at? Don't you, don't you forget where he's at right now? You got to know where he's at at all times. If you lose track of the devil, he'd say he he'll end up hurting your life. I don't think he was overemphasizing that. I think he was giving us a warning. Yeah. People don't know that basics are going to save your bacon. The very basics are the savior of your life. Let me prove it to you for a minute? How long can you go without water? Three days and things start not working right. Dehydration. Four, five, six days depending on you, your body, your health, and the temperature. That is so basic. Drinking water. You need a revelation. You need a new class on drinking water. You need a chemistry class on what water is. This is so basic. People do it and they don't even think about it. How long can you go without food? Sooner or later, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to become malnourished and etc. It's so simple to eat. Some of you are expert eaters. (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> Today at lunch, Kathy said, Pastor, we were at Papa Do's. I like going there. She said, Pastor, uh, uh, are you getting, uh, should we get banana pudding? They, she goes, she don't just say you want some banana pudding. Are we going to get banana pudding? You know it's the best anywhere. <laughs> <coughs> She's like, get thee behind me, Kathy. <laughs> She said, do you you want to get some? I said, oh, yeah, man. I'm not going to, but oh, yeah, I do. I told the waiter he came and I said, give me seven of everything you have on the dessert menu. That's what I want. It's basic. It's not revelation. It's not deep. You know how many times you've inhaled and exhaled since you've been in this building? You didn't need a new book. We didn't need to do a one hour seminar on how to inhale and make sure you exhale. It's so basic. You you, you just do it. You did it from the first time you got your little fanny smacked by the doctor coming out of mama's womb. (laughs) And you started breathing. It's basic. Right? Why do we think, why, why do we know you can't live without doing the basics? But we ignore it when it comes to Christianity. That's right. You're not going to survive as a Christian without church. People are trying to go find them. See how that works for them. You're not going to survive without your Bible. It's basic. It's basic. You're not going to survive without getting your heart right with God, your mouth right with God, your head. It's like breathing. There's no reason to inhale if you're not going to exhale because it won't be long and there'll be no more inhaling. It's that simple. So the very basics of walking with God, praying, praising, tithing, giving, forgiving, the Word of God, the man of God, the woman of God, the pulpit of God, the armor of God, the house of God, none of us should need a repeated seminar any more on that than you do about drinking water and breathing. It's that simple. Say it. It's that simple. And in the name of Jesus, you and I, the last day's army, to climax the ages, like Renee and I were talking. Actually, she was talking to me, but uh, which way's the car? Is, is that an emergency exit door to your car? I may head there. Uh, we were talking about this uh, before we come out tonight. Everybody thinks big is the deal. We've got to have a big church. We've got to attract a lot of people. Uh, I don't know. When I read my Bible, I'm hoping for the biggest revival in my lifetime. I've been blessed to be, I come out of the charismatic revival, renewal. I got in, you know, to, to, to the word of faith. I got into, I've been blessed to, to ride the waves of God all my life. I just keep saying, whatever you're doing now or next, I don't think he did away with any of that. I think man spits stuff out. But I'm just going to ride the wave until it comes. But it may not be this massive amount of people. Because honestly and humbly speaking, though I'm believing for a massive Revival, it looks like in the Bible there's a greater word about falling away, people departing from the faith, let no man deceive you, deception, seduction, delusion, Than there is revival. So it may not be this massive crowd or these major, major churches. You know right now in America, we have the largest churches we've ever had in the history of America. I preached in some of those churches in the Charismatic Renewal. I know probably Terry did, and others that were still preaching then, or started preaching them. I one of the one of my favorite churches was called Melodyland. It was Wilkerson's, out right across the way from Disneyland, and I loved pre- they loved me preaching there, and I loved preaching there. And then it was massive, man. I am not joking. Uh, if you didn't have security as the speaker, you'd never get to the pulpit in time. People were lying. The parking lot was full. It See, that parking lot held hundreds of cars. I'm not joking. You, you know, Terry. And it went, it went down the road. I mean, they blocked the traffic while people were trying to get to church. Massive. Wonderful. Then it was no more. And then another one. Massive. And it was no more. And then another one. I used to preach that here, massive, and then it was no more. And I've watched this happen twice. And you know what I'm watching right now? Some of the so-called mega churches that have decided to turn away from the truth and, uh, and are now doing fables or even having some delusional issues, they're starting to shrink. I don't wish that on them. I think you can be a massive ministry. I think you can be a massive church and you can be right with God, and you can do what you're called to do. So I don't think big is a curse. Hear me right. And I don't think every ministry that's big and massive and, and famous, or every church, I don't think they're of the devil. Many of them will, will, will still be going. They do good. But we got to get straight in our mind that big doesn't always mean right. But that's what we've been trained. Many pastors... Uh, not just young ones, they become depressed if they're not growing 100 people a week, 200 a month. What am I doing wrong? Or I heard a preacher and I don't want to say his name. Yes, I do, but I won't. He literally said, unless you have 500 people, you should close your church down and join the church that does. Oh, he's very, very famous. So I called him, and we, uh, we didn't talk then, but I ta- we were at a place here. I said, what's this deal about uh, you got to have 500 people or shut the church down? He goes, yeah, well, that's what we ought to do. And I said, I-, I have a question for you. When you started your church, did you have 500 people? No. First week, no. Second week, No. First year, no. You should have shut it down, man. <laughs> Practice what you preach, Bubba. Of course we're not going to do that, you numbskull. Don't you call him that. <laughs> this is it. We're here now. This is the end. We don't know the date. He might have days, weeks, months, years. I don't, We don't know that. I'm kind of glad we don't know that. I like the adventure of walking with God supernaturally and not know certain things. But that's where we're at. So we can't be caught up in this nonsense. Deal with yourself. That's what I'm doing. And stand for truth. Realize what the threats are so they don't just come to you and bypass you and, and, and you know, come and go from you. Ah, what's the big deal, you know? I probably, I think I can say this. I was, one of my dear friends is Keith uh, uh, Butler, uh, Bishop Butler. He's up in Detroit. And uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. I was preaching for him at one of his conferences. And afterwards, we were standing around the altar a minute. And a a man come up and uh, he was a homosexual. He announced it. I'm a homosexual. and, And he turns to Keith for some reason. And he says, we minorities need to stick together. And uh, I, I'm just listening. And Brother Butler said, Let me help you, son. No one asked me what color I was to be born in my mother's womb, but you get to choose every time who you sleep with. We are not the same. Go away. Good for him. Because how will people ever get free our beginning verses if you and I don't warn them about loving on righteous things? Amen.
0: We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.